Yeah, I want to talk about freedom. I love talking about freedom because I think that it's a key to it's a it's a doorway and a key to so much revelation and so much um, of who God is and and what we're called to be. Um, and a lot of who we are and what we are called to do actually starts with the revelation of the fact that we're free through Jesus. And so um, it's such a gateway. And so any time we can deepen or or widen the revelation of freedom and what we're called to be in freedom is, is exciting. And so I, I just love talking about freedom. But I want to talk about freedom and how it affects us in a couple of ways, but specifically how... Um, specifically one of the ways that we we think uh, free and one of the ways that um, freedom empowers and releases the church and anyway that's what we're going to try to talk about um, second Corinthians 3 17. It says the Lord is spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I don't think that we can... Um, the, presence, the presence of God is, is, is the most important thing in church. It's our, it's our connection with, with God through Jesus. Us being in Him, Him being in us. And... And that verse says that where the Spirit is, there's freedom. We can identify the place that the, the, the culture and the people that the Spirit lives with by whether or not they are free. Whether they act free, think free, operate in freedom. And so identifying, knowing what freedom is, knowing that we're free and working towards becoming free um, is kind of what I want to talk about. Um, and freedom is not the, it's not just, I'll say it like that, it's not just the absence of, of oppression or imprisonment. It's actually, it, it's, a, it's a journey to what you're not just escaping from, but what you're escaping for or what you're free for. Uh, it's really the presence of of choice. Now, oftentimes we we the the presence of choice is there. Your ability to choose is there, but if you're not free, you you actually whatever it is that's keeping you from being free can actually steal away that that choice. And so, one of the ways we identify whether a culture or a people are free is their ability to choose. One of the first things when when God created man. The first thing he did in love was to give them a choice. Not because he had to, but because you can't have love without freedom. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And freedom is represented and, and walked out in choice. And so in the Garden of Eden, there had to be a choice. God actually gave Adam and Eve a choice that he didn't want them to choose. You just think about it for I know we, I've talked about it a ton and it's just an amazing beginning that God actually said here's a choice don't choose it why are you doing that because I want you to be free and you can't be free without a choice 
just can't. And so in freedom, one of the ways we identify a culture that's free is people's ability to choose. No matter what the choice is. Good choices or poor choices. See, we don't, oftentimes we, we emphasize good behavior over freedom. Especially in church. In our homes we do that sometimes too. Like We want our kids to learn how to behave well more than we want them to learn how to be free. And, and I really feel like oftentimes we, we miss our calling as parents. And that actually our job is to teach our kids how to be free, not to teach them all the right decisions to make. Now, we, we always want them to make right decisions, right? We want them to have good behavior and to do the right thing. And, but I believe that lifelong is, our, is teaching our kids the ability to be free, teaching our kids how to choose not just what to choose. Does that make sense? Uh, in Exodus, uh, is just an awesome story of freedom. It's, uh, most of you probably know this story, or you've seen the movie of the of Moses, and, and uh, it's a great picture of just because you're out of oppression or you're out of slavery or you're out of prison doesn't mean you're actually step into freedom. There's a whole bunch of time that goes by and and stories within that season of the Israelites being in the wilderness, being in between what we'll call oppression and freedom. If freedom is the promised land and oppression is Egypt, there was a whole journey and a whole bunch of lessons and a whole bunch of failures and a whole bunch of figuring out what freedom looks like, what freedom acts like, what a free people actually thinks. And, and in a lot of those times and a lot of the seasons, actually, they wanted to return to slavery. A whole bunch of times, the option that they were thinking, the best option is to go back into slavery. And I feel like in, in, in church history, um, it can become one of our options. Well, it's always an option, but... It can become one of the things that we think, you know, it's better just to have everybody know and be told what to do than it is the mess of giving people the freedom to choose. I remember when I first got here, <laughs> I talked about um, telling people that they didn't have to come to church. And um, <laughs> I remember having conversations with a couple of them. Like, man, that's brave that you're just letting people, you know, telling people they don't have to come to church. I'm like, man, if people don't know they don't have to come to church, we are failing already. Like, we are already failing. Now, listen, how many of you guys know I, I want people to come to church? I think it's actually quite important. And sometimes I force my kids to come to church when they don't want to. I fully believe in showing up even when you don't feel like it. Fully believe it. But there has to be a choice. Or you, like, if you're coming because you are, you feel forced, or because you are, you know, you're embracing a position of slavery. Like, oh, I, I go because I have to go. Then we're missing actually the freedom of choosing it, even when it's uncomfortable. How many of you guys know that Jesus didn't have to go to the cross? He chose it. That's what love is: is choosing. How many of you guys know? I've heard the last. 
Ten years. Every Sunday. I don't feel like coming to church. Some Sundays I do. No. A lot of Sundays I do. I'm excited. and But sometimes I'm like, oh, it's Sunday. <laughs> I can say all kinds of things now. I'm just kidding. I, I kind of always have. But... uh but yeah, anyway, I, I, I just really encourage you. I'm not going to talk too much. I'm going to refer to that story in Exodus. But amazing story of a culture, of a group of people finding um, and moving from slavery to, to freedom. Um, but a culture of freedom is an environment. And this is what we're going for, to have an actual culture, not to have moments of freedom, but actually have a culture, a church culture that is free. And the idea of, of the culture of freedom is it's an environment that encourages and empowers people to choose. It both encourages it and empowers. And empowering is, has, is the idea that, um, that we create opportunity and don't punish poor choices. It actually creates an empowering, an empowering culture. So freedom doesn't only exist in the relationship in that which we are free from, but that which we are free for. How many of you guys know or have experienced or have seen that just because you get out of prison doesn't mean you are ready to be free? It takes some, some time and some practice and some application and oftentimes some mistakes that there's a journey between what we're free from and what we're free for that journey begins at the cross we pass through we're forgiven we leave stuff at the cross but how many guys know we sometimes we got to come back (laughs) we got to apply I guess I kind of want to propose that that actually getting free is the easy part. You know, like getting free, it's actually being free is the hard part. Getting free, falling on your face before Jesus, and that's the easy part. Getting back up again and then walking out. You know, we're in this process right now of uh, my son just got his driver's license. He's an excellent driver, by the way. And uh, But he's in the process of learning his freedom. So, of course, we have the freedom conversation about building trust and and just because he's free to drive doesn't actually make him a good driver he is I'll repeat that he is a good driver actually I'm quite quite proud of the driver he is but he still needs lots of time application and practice and in that process we're building trust through communication and texts and you know handling he filled up his we didn't fill it up. But he put some gas in his car this morning for the first time. 
He made it here, so it must have been of all enough gas, yeah. You guys remember those times when you were like looking for quarters? You can't buy anything for a quarter now. You can't even get across Weaverville for a quarter, but I can remember putting a dollar thirty five in my gas tank in high school. That'll get me home and back. Not anymore. But yeah, what we were free uh what we're free from in relationship to what we're free for. I love this quote from the the movie The Patriot, which is this amazing movie, but um it's violent, so that's rated R I think, but that's your disclaimer. Um they're sitting and they're uh anyway, I'll tell you the quote. I was gonna tell the story, but yeah, you'll get it. Why should I agree, agree to trade one tyrant 3,000 miles away for 3,000 tyrants one mile away? And the point was is that in the um, Revolutionary War, and they're trying to break away from England, saying that, well, listen, the king is way over there. Yes, he's controlling, and yes, I want to be free from him, and I'm agreeing that he's a tyrant. But I don't want to trade that for... It's important what we're trading this for. What are we going towards? Not just what are we getting from. It's a great picture of um, of the process of freedom. That it's not a moment. It's actually a process. It's a journey. John 5.24 says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. And with Jesus, escaping death is the easy part. <laughs> I talk about ownership a lot and one of the One of the amazing things about a culture of freedom is it's not just about from it's not just about being out from under someone's control. It's actually about being under your own control. I, I think sometimes uh, I hear people say this, and I know what it means, and I'm not necessarily arguing arguing with what it means. But the phrase itself is a little bit flawed when people say God's in control. I would challenge that that's actually not true. (laughs) Because he loves us so much, he created us free. And he's actually given you control. Control over your life, control over your decisions. If God was in control, then he would get and do everything that he wants to do. But he loves us so much that he actually sacrificed control for love. I don't, you guys all don't believe me, but that's all right. You, it's, some of you do, so that's good enough. Um, there's tension in it. I love it. And uh, tension in the word. We talked about tension. Nothing is more difficult and therefore more precious than to be able to decide. Napoleon Bonaparte. 
You can, you can identify a, a culture of freedom by the presence of thinking people. People that think and process. And I like to, I've been thinking through in this season of getting ready to transition out. Like, all right, what's my legacy? What's, what, what, I know it's like the challenge course and not paying. And, but like, what's my legacy up here? Like what? And I like, I, I like to think that I've given people the, some more freedom to think. Some more freedom to to process, maybe to argue a little bit, to disagree, to 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 process out what we what we believe and maybe as important why we believe it. <laughs> I'm hoping that we are getting more and more free. I'm hoping that we are more and more accepting the ownership of our choices. As we're moving from, there's kind of these two words we throw around, denominationalism, which is where we've been in the last few hundred years of um, denominations of specific groups of, of believers that raise around a, a either one or multiple specific truths. That basically a, a denomination is created when when people decide, a group of people decide that we believe this. This is what we're standing on. And for the most part, it's it's not it's connected, but not directly based on on Jesus. Or when we talk about denominations, we're talking about people that uh, disagree on some things, but still agree on others. They're a branch of the same basic belief system but have decided to sever relationship or, or whatever over a specific belief or a, a group of specific beliefs. And I like the idea that we're slowly moving into and believing the ridiculousness of that idea. While it makes sense and we can process it out and go, and it, it kind of now has become a little bit about music style or preaching style or wearing attire or not. It, it's actually not about that at all. It has, has to do with, you know, some key things that when you dig down are actually still still there and need to be dug up and processed out and, and that the main thing needs to become the main thing again. And I believe actually we're, at least in our, in our country, we're moving towards um, unifying the body of Christ. And what we are, are what it's, being called, and this isn't a new thing or anything, but what we're moving more towards is apostleship. We're moving towards, um, which has its pitfalls as well. You know, it's not like one's bad, one's good. It's, it just has its pitfalls as well. But the the uh, the picture of apostleship is what we see um, kind of birthed in Acts, where churches were, were born in towns, um, planted by the apostles and the apostles would would teach and then the church would be would be born out of that and so they were following it was a movement that wasn't just based on even though it was including these truths but that it was it was in uh, in relation to an apostle anyway i'm not going to talk much about that but um 
as we're moving from what I believe is uh, and um, following a list of of a list of rules to following a list of core values, which of course can be um, maybe better explained to not just what we what we think, but how we think. We're gathering around. We it's not that we that we disagree on, but it's not. Oh, sorry, I'm getting lost in my own world. We're moving away from gathering around what we think, and we're beginning to gather around how to think. And that there's a freedom in there. Now, we're not like, there's not all this room for just think however you want. It's like, it doesn't, it's not like it doesn't matter. That actually, we want people to, to begin to think free. And in that process, they find, um, We're less worried about getting people to agree with a list of of things and actually getting people to point a certain direction, knowing that God's in that direction, knowing that Jesus is in that direction, and that believing that if people are truly looking for him, they'll find him, and that if they're not, they won't. I kind of butchered that, but. I was talking about a, a couple of weeks ago about how when I'm reading through Scripture, I I love finding things I don't agree with. Um. My mom, who she'll, she listens to all my messages, so she'll probably be listening to this at some point fairly soon. She calls me and like, I heard you tell that story. Hi, Mom. <laughs> From the time uh, as early as I can remember, uh, my mom woke up in the morning really early and would read read her Bible. And... I can remember coming down when it was still dark every once in a while when I'd wake up when it was still dark when I was little. And even into my adulthood, even still now. And uh, she'd be sitting there with her coffee and her Bible. Oftentimes she'd have a commentary there and she'd be... And, um, and so as I got older and then I became a pastor, we'd, we'd talk about Scripture and talk about commentaries and talk about things that she'd been reading since before I was born. And the wonderful thing about my mom is my mom's opinionated like I am. I know, I'm opinionated. But my mom also loves freedom like I do. And while my mom will share a strong opinion, I can remember my whole life, and my dad too, both of them, 
always wanting me to figure it out for myself. At least I had that feeling. I don't know how they worded it. I don't know how they... I don't know how they taught it. I don't know that they necessarily didn't really sit down and talk, teach me that. But that's the environment that I got to grow up in. I always knew what my mom believed. And I always knew I had the freedom to choose what I wanted to believe. But it wasn't, there wasn't like a open-ended, do whatever you want, believe it. My mom was pretty strict. And like I said, she was opinionated. In our house, we were going to go this way. We were going to serve the Lord, we're going to go to church and I've told you many times that my mom drug me to church my whole life but I always knew that when I, when I wanted to choose, it was, it was my choice it's amazing culture that she created for me I love it in John 8 this is this, this, just an amazing story of um, religious leaders and people bringing um, the adulterer, adulterous woman before Jesus, and and we, uh, you know most of us probably know this line, but this is in John eight, and uh, he he takes a moment, and we don't really know why. There's tons of messages on what Jesus was doing between and his silence, playing in the dirt what he wrote or whatever and we don't know but but we do know he take, took a moment and when he stands up he says whoever doesn't have whoever is without sin go ahead and throw the first stone kick it off the punishment for adultery is is death he couldn't disagree with the the law of the land but he also couldn't just condemn this woman. So they were trying to catch him in this spot. And what his answer was, was freedom. You guys, he, he definitely pointed people in the right direction. He didn't just say, go for it. Yep, you're right, go for it. He challenged, he brought some truth, but then he, he wasn't afraid of letting people think. If you think you're without sin, go ahead and kick it off. Go ahead and start chucking rocks. Go ahead and condemn this person. If you know the story, they begin to think. They begin to process. And he took people that were trying to victimize him and he flipped it around and said, show me what you think. I just, that story, and there's a whole bunch of stories like that, but that story, I think about like, what would happen if someone was like, that's me. I feel like that would have been, there's some places in the States where maybe our culture, you would say something different right now. But, but, but when people are given the freedom and given the, Encouragement, but also given some guidelines. I think at some level, right or wrong, we have to believe that people are capable of finding their way. Somewhere along the line, I think that even in, in our culture, but somewhere along the line in the church culture as well, 
we've got to this place where we believe that people are genuinely will screw everything up. And so it would just be better if we just we make this list and here, here's the list, all the list and you'll be fine. But it's it, it falls short of what we we're created for. It steals the creativity and and the process that we were actually born for. I know we have a hard time sometimes valuing people that think different than us and um, we had a challenging season in the church I don't know how it's been two years or something how long has it been since uh, Trump became president Uh, he's not going to talk about Trump he can't do that I could do whatever I want. I'm leaving pretty soon. <laughs> no, we had a we had a challenging, and still like we had, a, a, um, you know, both parties, like there's only two, are represented in the in the church, um, and I've never seen people stand so strong on either side, and we had a choice of that was in front of all of us. And the world and everybody of like, what do we do when we passionately disagree about something that actually doesn't have anything to do with really? And even this is going to be. I'll just say that Jesus. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I want to say it right. I don't want to be misunderstood. But Jesus isn't a Republican, for one. And I I just think that... um, Or a Democrat. Yeah, just so... Yeah. It's so funny how we fill in the the lines. Cameron said Jesus was a Democrat. No. Said he wasn't a Republican. Well, there's only Democrats and Republicans, so you got to choose. The line is very clear. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And we're, we're in this process of um, this amazing. I, I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was going to talk about guns, but no, talk about guns. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, though, like a lot of that stuff, even guns, like we could talk about guns and there's a whole bunch of things that nobody would disagree with. A whole bunch of it that nobody that everybody would like, yeah, totally. That's absolutely freedom and liberty and and safety and responsibility. And yeah, we don't. What do we do? We focus on like the tiny little overlap that everyone freaks out about and we miss all of the stuff that's so important and the stuff we agree on that that's. It's the same spirit that is denominationalism. Instead of focusing on Jesus and the cross and how much God loves us and how much we need to be together, we focus on, yeah, one little thing about like whether or not the, there's drums on the stage or where the organ is. 
what? It's ridiculous. I will hate everyone that believes you should have more than ten rounds in your magazine. Sorry, that's been my... You guys got to laugh more. Come on, that's funny. That was funny. It's silly what we... Maybe you guys didn't all understand what I was saying. Sorry. I'm sorry. The magazine is the thing that holds the bullets and the gun. Just in case you didn't know. And ten rounds is what's legal in California. Anyway. Instead of focusing on, I'll finish the thought because it is kind of a thought. Instead of focusing on the fact that kids are getting killed and that people need to be safe, we can all agree that our kids need to be safe. We're focusing on how many rounds fits in the little magazine. I'm not saying that's not important, right? It's important. Like we got to have all those discussions. We got to have all those things. What's what's good, and bad, and all that about that little part. But this part, it seems drastically more important than 10, 12, 8, 3. It just seems more important to me. But that's just me. And you guys are free to think however you want. (laughs) Just make sure that gets on the recording. Because it's so important to understand that I'm not saying that there's no absolute truth. It's really important when, when we're that I believe that 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 this is absolute truth. Absolute meaning it's it's always true a hundred percent of the time. I'm not saying your application or understanding of it is absolutely true. Don't get me wrong, because it's not. Neither is mine. But we're in pursuit of this of this truth that is absolute. And it's why it's so important not to stop digging. I want to give you guys some 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 fun stuff because uh, I was reading. Chan and I were reading these last night, and some of these I've actually read to you guys in the past, but because I, I pulled them from some past notes. But these are like things that people said or believed in the last. Most of them are about the last 150 years that are now in the in the reality that we're all standing in are are somewhat ridiculous. You guys will see what I'm saying. Um, so these are these are quotes stuff I got off the internet for what that's worth, um, but you, so you make your own call. But uh, I think they're for the most part they're pretty much factual. Um, while theor- these are these are quotes. While theoretically and technically, oh I'm sorry. While theoretically and Technically, television may be feasible. Commercially and financially, it is impossibility. Lee DeForest, the inventor of the television. A rocket will never be able to leave Earth's atmosphere. New York Times, 1936. I think there is a world market for maybe five computers Thomas Watson the chairman of IBM in 1943 the ordinary horseless carriage 
is at present a luxury for the wealthy. Although its price will probably fall in the future, it will never, of course, come into a common use as the bicycle. Literary Digest in 1899. But what is it good for? Engineer at the Advanced Computing System Division of IBM in 1968 commenting on the microchip. skipping some of these this telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication the device is inherently of no value to us western union internal memo in 1876 very interesting whittle my boy but it will never work cambridge aeronautics professor when shown frank whittle's plan for the jet engine This is one of my favorites. The wireless music box has no imaginable commercial value. Who would pay for a message sent to nobody in particular? David Sarnoff's uh, associates in response to his urgings for investment in the radio in 1920s. No. Wireless music box? Ridiculous. The concept is interesting and well-formed, but in order to earn better than a C, the idea must be feasible. All right, so a Yale University management professor in response to Fred Smith's paper proposing reliable overnight delivery service. Smith went on to found FedEx. (laughs) Scored a C on his paper. Ridiculous. I'm just glad it'll be Clark Gable who's falling on his face and not Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper on his decision not to take the leading role in Gone with the Wind. Oops. A cookie store is a bad idea. Besides, the market research report says America likes crispy cookies, not soft and chewy cookies like you make. Response to Debbie Fields' idea of starting Mrs. Fields' cookies. We don't like their sound, and guitar music is on its way out. Decca Recording Company rejecting the Beatles. 1962. (laughs) This one you guys might recognize. So we went to Atari and said, hey... We've got this amazing thing, even built with some of your parts. And what do you think about funding us? Or we'll give it to you. We just want to do it. Pay our salary. We'll come to work for you. And they said no. So then we went to Hewlett Packard, and they said, hey, we don't need you. You haven't gone through college yet. Steve Jobs, founder of Apple Computers, on attempts to get Atari and HP interested in Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak's Wozniak's? personal computer. Drill for oil? You mean drill into the ground to try and find oil? You're crazy. Response to Edwin Drake's trying to enlist drillers to his project to drill for oil in 1859. Stocks have reached what looks like a permanent high plateau. Professor of economics at Yale University in 1929. (laughs) That was awesome, 
the abdomen, the chest, and the brain will forever be shut from the intrusion of the wise and humane surgeon. Surgeon to Queen Victoria in 1873. Can you imagine if we would have stopped at that? It will be gone by June. Variety magazine passing judgment on rock and roll in 1955. Ours has been the first and doubtless the last to visit this profitless location. Lieutenant Joseph Ives, after visiting the Grand Canyon, 1861. You guys want a couple more? Well, three of you do. That's good enough for me. I like them. Oh, here's a good one. I see no good reason why the views given in this volume should shock the religious sensibilities of anyone. That is a quote from Charles Darwin, The Origin of Species, in 1869. (laughs) Over 15 foreign cars already on sale. The Japanese auto industry isn't likely to carve out a big slice of the U.S. market. (laughs) Business Weekly, August 2nd, 1968. There will never be a bigger plane built. A Boeing engineer after the first flight of the 247. A twin engine plane that holds 10 people. (laughs) Oh, here's here's, here's a good one. Four or five frigates will do the business without any military force. British Prime Minister Lord North on dealing with the rebellious American colonies. 1774. Or how about this one? Reagan just doesn't have the presidential look. United Artists Executive rejecting Reagan as the lead in a 1964 film, The Best Man. <laughs> you know, having, having, having opinions is fun. We all have them. We all look at the world that's in front of us and we, we decide. We decide what, what's true and what we believe and how we live our life and how we see things. But the mark of a free people has to include challenging the norm, at least the, the ability to. Now, I, I put all this out there not to say because I I'm sorry I preface that whole thing with we believe in absolute truth I don't believe in our in in our firm grip or or full understanding of that truth if that makes sense I believe the absolute truths that we stand on can handle any storm or any criticism. I think if, thing, if we're so nervous about the things that we believe or the things that we do, when people ask questions, then maybe we should be rethinking the things we believe and the things that we do. I want to 
want to uncap our ability to to think and dream big. Or maybe we can just start with thinking and dreaming and let it get bigger. Of the process of, I, I don't think anybody has really discovered God's plan to reach the world in this moment. I think the church, I think God's still trying to deliver it. And in a lot of ways, in a lot of places, the church is still trying, is working off an old set of blueprints. Working off an old plan. And I think, I think that if, if we stand on stubbornness and principle of like, this is the way it's supposed to be, and in some places, that, that, that may be true. But unfortunately, in, in our history, we can see that, that we've stood on things as, as silly as which side of the stage the, or, the organ should be on. Maybe it's been so long ago for this church that we don't remember, but it's part of my history. It's part of my past. I remember It wasn't that long ago then and probably still in a lot of places where people were asked to leave if they wouldn't take their hat off. Talk about majoring on a minor. Or or short sleeves. Or no tie. Or what what where? I don't know. What, what's going to be the next thing that we don't want to make sure that we're stuck, the next trap that we don't want to make sure that we're stuck so we miss actually God's plan to reach the world. And we major on minor things. And the, the way that we catch those traps, the way that we make sure we don't get stuck, is by continually thinking free. By continuing that we are supposed to, by continually stirring up that we are supposed to challenge, we're supposed to, talk we're supposed to we don't have to agree on everything and it's healthy but it only works if we have a value for the people we disagree with (laughs) because if someone says well hey I don't agree I don't like that idea or why do we do that question and they get denominationalism they get separation they get distance then what you do is you teach and you create a culture where that behavior where that the, the behavior and the, the idea of challenge the idea of question the idea of explain that for me please actually becomes something unaccepted even if it's an unintentional does that make sense Galatians 5 it is for freedom that Christ has set us free Stand firm and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You need to get rid of the phrases, I can't, it's never been done, I'm too old, I'm too young. And I want to hear phrases more like, give it a shot, you won't know until you try. I don't know. One of my favorites. 
I don't know. Why do we do that? I don't know. Let's figure it out. Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. I remember, I think I've told this story before, I remember um, being in Chicago. I think I was like, it's before kids, so I was probably like 22. Young, knew everything. And I was, um, seriously, I was like, I've been with the Lord like three and a half years. I was youth pastoring at the time. Knew everything. And I'm walking down the street with a friend of mine in Chicago. It's a big, huge church. Big, beautiful church. And, um, as we're approaching it, he's telling me, like, it's a big, it's a big church. And, um, they have like 600 members and, um, or 1,000 members, something, something, I don't remember. And uh, it's all, it's like... Uh, He's telling me all this stuff sounds like really cool, Pentecostal and great music, and that's a great band. Da, 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 da. Tell me all this stuff. He said, "But the pastor's gay." I was like, "Really?" Now I'm. This is uh, 20 years ago, about, and I was um, from a small town. At that point, I didn't even know anybody who was gay, and I was like, "Really." And I had this thing in my head that was like grinding. Like it all of a sudden, like I didn't, it didn't compute. I was like, everything I think I know about whatever I think I know is now I have to know something else. Because here's a guy that, hmm, this is weird. And from that point on, I I realized that now I was opinionated back then too. So, but from that point on, I realized that there there there's always going to be people that are smarter, better educated, know the Bible more, are successful in life and ministry and whatever. And they completely disagree with me. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, and it was the first time I really faced it because I was like, I know every, I'm going to take the world and I'm going to, we're going to, everybody's going to get saved. You know, I was in that moment of my ministry. And I was like, I didn't even know where to put that guy. I didn't even know what to do with that guy. I know that I don't agree with whatever he's doing, but. Some of the things I do agree. I thought we would just be totally on the other sides of the planet forever. Sorry if I'm making you uncomfortable. No, I'm not sorry that I'm making you uncomfortable. But anyway, I there has to be this place in us that comes alive for love and connection over disagreement or agreement. We somehow have to be comfortable and love people around us that don't agree. Somehow. I'm not telling you I've got it dialed in, but I know that it's true. I know that it's real. 
I know that for the church to ever become more than than a small part of a town, for for the glory of God to cover the earth, it's going to be in our ability to to love people. And in that, there's this understanding and culture that allows free thinking. Because it is for freedom that He set us free. Hmm. Anyway, I don't know if any of that made sense, but it was fun. I hope you got something. I was talking to somebody on our trip when we were in Texas that I was having a really hard time with. Um, somebody that was really uh, rejecting uh, our... Not our service, because they wanted us our services, but our... Um, proselytizing sounds like... The, but basically our... You know, we want to pray for people. We want to talk to people and connect with people. And a specific person didn't want any of that. They just clean up my yard and do the work and move on. And uh, I remember us sitting in the car afterwards, and this person that was on our trip was really discouraged. And, and I said, man, it's so important to know where we stop and God begins. And like, you're worrying about stuff that is not your job. You know, what, what's in your heart for this person? If it's love and compassion and encouragement, then you're done. That's it. Let it go. God's going to do the rest. That's His, that's His job. And I, I, don't get me wrong, there's times when, I, like, letting go of your kids and wanting your kids to learn freedom is much more difficult than teaching them how to think and behave or teaching them what to think and behave you know because I said so is always easier than an explanation <laughs> it's always easier because you know and I'm not saying that sometimes it, it's it is just because I said so for now that's what we're that's what we're going with it's fine. Not judging it. It's a, it's a good it's a good line. But at some point, the the main plan has to be that we're learning to think free. When I first started kind of discovering this idea and trying to get it into myself of like, am I am I free? Am I thinking free? I would ask myself questions. One of them being that, um, what would I do? If I could do whatever I want in any given situation, what would I do if I was totally free? And the answer would always be the Holy Spirit going, you are free. But that's how I would remind myself. What would you do if you were if you were free to choose whatever you wanted to do right now? What would you do? Remind myself that I'm free to choose whatever I want to do right now in this situation. What would I choose? How do I choose? How do I know what to do? How do I know? What do I believe? 
I was trying to end and I kept preaching. Sorry. Lord, we just thank you that you love us enough to give us choice. That you love us enough to set us free. That you love us enough to to let us make mistakes. That you love us enough to give us, to give us opportunities and choices that you really don't want us to take. Man, that's so much love and favor. Thank you, Lord, that you you believe in us so much. Thank you, Lord, that you that you care so much for freedom, for our freedom, that you're even willing to risk time apart, <laughs> separation. Thank you for Jesus paid the price for all our mistakes, for all our shortcomings, for all our bad decisions. Thank you, Lord, that you have always given us a way back. Thank you, Lord, that there's always a way back. No matter how far we've messed up, (laughs) Jesus is always our way back. Thank you, Lord.